If you've been following along, we have, uh, we've been going through the book of Acts. Remember that timeline I handed out a long time ago? We are kind of, we've, we just got to chapter 15 in the book of Acts, and it's about this time, oh, thank you, Abby, it's about this time that Paul is writing the letter to the book of Galatians. Now, what I plan to do is, as we go through Acts, Acts is kind of like the, the tree trunk and the branches are the different books, and so as we hit a book that is appropriate to the, where we are in Acts, we'll break off and teach you that book. So we're going to break off and teach through Galatians just for a short time, six chapters. And it's around 50 A.D., 48 A.D., they say. And so let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would anoint our time. Just fill this place with your Holy Spirit. There are lives that are represented here today that our desperate need of your grace and your peace. We need to hear from you this morning, Father. We need direction. We need encouragement. We need exhortation. We need love and comfort. And so by your Spirit, would you do what you would have planned for your church this morning? Use the teaching of your Word. Use the Words that I say, Father, to pierce through the darkness, God, and whatever's not of you, uh, let it just not even get through. And I ask all these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Paul and Barnabas, they had an awesome journey together. They went and hit all these islands. They went up to Turkey, where the churches in Galatia are. They got rocks thrown at Paul. He'd almost died. They picked him up, rose again, went on to the next city, preached the gospel, preached the gospel, preached the gospel. People are coming to Jesus in places that did not know him, did not hear of him. Some places did. Jesus is piercing the darkness through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. They get done with their journey. They're back in the city of Antioch in Syria. They're hanging out there for a while. And then all of a sudden in chapter 15, verse 1, it begins with a a problem. We had some people coming down from Jerusalem, and they were teaching that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved. Yes, Jesus, but now Jesus and. Jesus, faith in Jesus that he died on the cross, but now you've also got to do this physical action. You've also got to obey the commandments of Moses in order to be righteous. And Paul and Barnabas had sharp contention with them. Sharp contention. I mean, gloves were off. And it got so heated they had to go up to HQ in in Jerusalem and have people work it out. HR got brought in. It was pretty crazy. No. (laughs) What happened? The council in Jerusalem, they had some Pharisees. If you remember, Pharisees were very legalistic people, but they were born again. Anybody come from a legalistic background? Like law, like order? I kind of like those things sometimes, you know, they're great. Some people come from a lawless background. Well, Jesus has some things to say about that too, amen? We want to conform to the new covenant of grace. And so the question was, hey, are we going to require these Gentiles, these non-Jews, to be circumcised? And they came to the, the answer through Peter and through James, no, 
No, it is by grace we are saved. That's it. And so they write a letter and basically say, you know, stay away from sexual immorality. Don't buy stuff in the market that's been sacrificed to idols. You're going to stumble your Jewish brothers. That's the heart of I have it. If you want to have unity in the church, let your liberty go by the side. You can give up these things, although in, later in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about that and says, hey, you know what? You're free to eat this stuff. Just be careful. Think about it. And so this, and he goes, have a good day. Take care. And so they come down and they share the news with this new thriving Gentile slash Jewish church and they are overjoyed at the freedom they have. They don't have to be circumcised. Wouldn't you be happy? Yeah. Praise God. They're like, yes. God, we don't have to do this stuff. We can just love the Lord. And so then it ends in chapter 15. Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement and it was so contentious between them They parted ways, and we talked a little bit about that. Paul's wanting to go back to these churches in in, uh, Galatia, in all these areas that he'd been, to go see how they're doing. Could you imagine if Paul had email, like how thick your Bible would be? But you just had to write something on a scroll and send it off, and it would get there, like the U.S. Postal Service, it'd get there when it got there. And what happens? They'd hear it. They'd read it among all the churches in Galatia or wherever they were, and then they'd send a letter back, and they couldn't do it during winter and other times. I mean, so it was just, there's, there could be a lot that happens between in a two-year period in the life of a church, don't you think? And there were people similar to the people from <coughs> Jerusalem coming down into all these churches and saying, hey, Jesus and you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the law of Moses. And they're pull, they're called Judaizers is the is the term. They're trying to pull them back into the fold, and, and now they're going to be a hybrid of Judaism. And Paul is just he's dead serious on this. This is so important to him that he pens the letter to Galatians. And so, if you open up to Galatians chapter one. He starts out, he says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. The first thing these teachers who come in and start to redirect the sheep, they do is they discredit the one who is teaching. They discredit Paul. They're coming to him, they're starting to talk smack about him is what's happening. Oh yeah, he's kind of an apostle, but he's got these issues going on. And this is really the true way to go on. And, and they would talk. So Paul, right off the bat, he has to reaffirm his authority in Christ. He doesn't like to do that, but he does it when it's necessary. And he says, I'm an apostle. What does an apostle mean? It means sent one. That's what it literally means, but it says it twice. Paul, an apostle sent, not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ. An apostle the truest definition was one who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were to go and be a witness, and that's why he says, uh, who raised him from the dead. He's an apostle because he's bearing witness, a testimony to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In uh, Acts one twenty one, we see when, when Judas had died, they were going to replace him. They replaced him with Matthias, and there were certain criteria, and one of the criteria was that they would be a witness. There's someone who'd been around Jesus and saw him, and these things would happen so that he would, they would be able to witness and testify that he had risen. I'd seen it. I was there. 
And so that was part of the criteria. Now, we know that Paul didn't see the resurrected Jesus Christ like the rest of them saw him, did he? No, he had a personal encounter, which we read in chapter 8 or somewhere around there of Acts, where it was bright and amazing. Actually, flip over to, um, was it 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Flip left to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Was it Second Corinthians fifteen? That's no, First Corinthians fifteen. Verse seven. He says, and then he appeared. Uh, then he appeared to James and to all the apostles, and last of all. He appeared to me also as one, as one abnormally born. In other words, his experience was different than the other apostles. For I am the least of the apostles, do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Verse ten. But the grace of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace to me was not without effect. Boy, you could go off on that, and I might. He says, I don't even deserve to be apostle because I was persecuting the church and it's by grace that God called me, that I am what I am, that I'm an apostle. It's by grace, not by pedigree, not by uh, I went to Bible college or I've done all that stuff. I am because Jesus Christ called me. And it's funny how we try to, um, you know, how do you make a pastor? How do you make an elder? How do you do all these things? You know what? An elder, a pastor, a minister, or someone, they're already called by God. Man just ratifies or recognizes what God's already doing. Does that make sense? When I was ordained, it wasn't because, oh, that made me a pastor. God was already calling me to be a pastor, and the guys recognized, oh, God's got a calling on this guy's life. And we're just going, yeah, we're gonna, we, we publicly recognize this. You are all ministers of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? but I didn't earn it. I didn't. No, you didn't, but God has called you to that. That is your role. You are ministers of reconciliation. That is your calling. Now, whether it's here on a seat on Sunday morning or it's in your, at your work or in your home, that is what you're called to do. You have been called by God. How come? By His grace, by His goodness, by His love. Didn't earn it. Paul didn't earn it, did he not? No, he did not earn it. We don't, we don't earn that. And so he was making that point to the people who would discredit him that he was sent not from men nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And he'll talk a little bit more about that process in a little bit. And the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. And the Galatia, again, is in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, central Turkey, they think. And how does he, Paul start his letters to the church? Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of God, uh, of, I'm sorry, of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he starts off, he says, grace and peace to you. That's awesome. How do you like to hear that from an authority figure in the Lord, so to speak? You know, Apostle Paul walks in the room and he goes, grace and peace to you. Grace meaning that that's what the Gentiles would say to one another and peace. Shalom is what the Jews would say to one another, grace and peace. But notice the order is important. You don't experience the peace of God until you, until you have the grace of God in your life. 
How many of you are struggling with peace and you have no peace in your heart? Let me tell you, you're not rooted and founded in grace. Or you're dabbling in stuff you shouldn't be. Come back. And it's so important. Grace and peace too. He starts off from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what God has for you, church. And he goes, who gave himself for our sins. Why? To rescue. To rescue us from this present evil age. How many of you would say that this is an evil age? And if you don't, you've been fooled. It's got you. He would later on in Galatians chapter 5, flip over there for a second, he'd start to explain in detail kind of what present evil age means. In verse 19, he says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. How many of you are involved in sexual immorality this morning? No raise of hands. Looking at stuff you should not look. Sleeping with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Living out of wedlock. Impurity. Debauchery. Idolatry. Witchcraft. That word is pharmakeia. Drugs, right? Overtaken by them. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so he lays present evil age. That would be encompassed under the things that the present evil age is involved in, is identified by, is ruled by. Who is the prince of the present evil age, Satan. These are, this is, what is this his MO? This is how he does stuff. Flip over to, I think it's Timothy. Is it 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 3, or 1 Timothy chapter Yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't have tabs on my Bible. Handicapped. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible, terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Oh my gosh. I mean, just look at Prince or the artist formerly known as Prince or whatever it is. I mean, lovers of self, just self-image. I mean, we're all sucked into it one way or the other. Lovers of money, boastful. Do we live in a boastful society? Proud, ungrateful, well, sorry, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, slanderous, just talking smack about people behind their backs. How many of you totally disagree with, you know, certain things people are doing in government and stuff? Can you disagree with someone without cutting them down and saying horrible things about and posting crud all over the place? Yeah, let's be salt and light. That's not how Jesus does it. 
yeah, we're to call out evil as evil is, but I tell you what, slanderous, be careful without, without self-control. We're in a society that does not have self-control. They're brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. This present evil age, Jesus died. Why? To rescue us from this present evil age. And this is abbreviated. Rescue implies what? Yeah, but what does it also imply? The other side. You're in trouble. Rescue from what? From hell, from judgment, from the fiery wrath of God. Oh my gosh, everybody's going to leave the church. The reality that God is just and God is love. No stone will be unturned. No sin will be hidden on the day of judgment. It's all going to be before him. The secret sins, every click. You think the NSA's got it. He's got it all to rescue us from this. We need a savior. Oh God, save us from this. Save me from what I deserve. This is all tied into the gospel to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. It's God's desire to rescue. God desires to rescue. That is his will, is to go save people. Is that our heart? And notice, verse 5, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. That brings glory to God. And that is the chief end of man, is to bring glory to God. And if we are people who do not bring glory to God, we are not doing what we've been created to do. We are created for His glory and for His purposes. And oh, the joy when you're doing that and you're in the middle of it and and you're you're being who you're supposed to be, however that looks. Amen? Amen? to bring glory to God. And, he, and right now, uh, then he goes right into verse 6, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who has called you by the grace. Paul opens up every single letter. Great, I, hey, this is from Paul because you had a scroll. You didn't want to get, you know, have to open the scroll and get all the way in and find out, oh yeah, it's from Paul. And then, you know, 30 pages of scroll. They just put it in the front. This is Paul. I'm writing to you. This is who I am in the very beginning. Grace and peace to you. Look at this, 1 Corinthians. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Once you see the pattern. Paul called by an apostle, verse 2, to the churches, verse 3. Grace and peace to you. Sorry, I think my thing. Verse 3, grace and peace to you. Verse 4, I always thank God. And he starts talking about how he's thankful for him. And he's got a prayer going on. So it goes, hi, I'm Paul. Grace and peace to you. Man, I've been praying for you. Second Corinthians, same thing. 
Guess what? Romans, same thing. Would you take a guess that Ephesians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians is the same thing? Man, I've been praying for you. I'm excited for you. I love you. i got some things to say, but here. Notice the difference in Galatians chapter 1. What, what isn't there? What's lacking? He's not thankful. He's not happy about the circumstance. Gloves are off. I'm Paul. I'm the apostle. Grace and peace to you, but I am ticked. And this is why. This is so serious. No prayer in there. No thing of thanksgiving. I'm so happy for you, the way you guys remind me of the Lord and blah, blah, blah. No, when I think about you guys, I'm, I'm vexed in my soul. Has that ever happened to you when you have a wayward kid? Anyone? I'm so astonished that what you've been rooted and grounded with has just been so swept away. How many of you have like had kids that are totally walking with the Lord, and then all of a sudden, boom, they go and talk to some professor at a college, and all of a sudden, God has spoken. He doesn't exist anymore, and God is dead. I'm serious. Morons. Dead. No life spewing out darkness to people in those ways. And so quickly pulled away with the culture around them. It just sways them away. This is what was happening in Galatia. You had people coming in and saying, oh yeah, you received Jesus, that's great. Well, guess what? You also got to jump through these hoops in order to be saved. Let's get going. Oh yeah, well that's, you know, Paul. Paul's messed up. Yeah, well that's great what your parents taught you. However, this is the real deal. That's what's happening. And Paul is, says, I'm astonished you seem quickly, are so quickly deserting the one who called you to the grace. Notice they're deserting a person. When you desert the one, you're deserting the person. And it's identified with the gospel who calls you by his grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Gospel means good news. And if you flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15... That's why I got mixed, mixed up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 1 through 4. It gives a great definition of the gospel. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I have preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I have received, I passed on to you of first importance. And here it is. This is the gospel. Underline it. Know it. Because this is the gospel you must preach. That I must preach. If you preach something else, you're going to fall into the, what he's talking about right here. If you believe something else, same thing. What does he say? That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He says, first, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he goes on and talks about, that's it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was raised on the third day. That is the gospel. That he paid for our sins. And the proof that it was, he was acceptable to God was that God raised him from the dead. He didn't stay dead. Why do we stay in the ground? Because we're not acceptable. Jesus raised from the dead. He was acceptable to God. Righteousness 
was there, a right standing with God, a way was made for man. And through his death, we have life through faith, by God's grace. And that's it. He's saying you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I have, uh, you know, I have a whole, I didn't even bring out all my watchtowers and everything, but I have a couple wonderful books here. The Book of Mormon, and like I showed you last week, what does it say at the very, right below the Book of Mormon? It says, another testament of Jesus Christ. You open this thing up, and you look on the first page, and you go, and he starts talking about all this great stuff, and at the very end, he says, uh, the record is now published in many languages, talking about this, as a new and additional witness that Jesus is the Son of the living God, and that all who come unto him and obey the laws and ordinances of his gospel may be saved. Referring to this, Joseph Smith, their prophet, you may be saved if you follow this. Knowledge that leads to everlasting life, Jehovah's Witnesses. Same stuff. I'm telling you, it's out there. It's all around us. And, I, and, and while these people who follow these things are nice people, I'm not talking about niceness. I'm talking about the core of what it is. It's a different gospel. It's a different gospel, and it is no gospel at all. Be aware. We're not all one big happy family. Sheep, goats, that's it. How many of you are feeling comfortable right now? Paul's not holding, he's not holding it back. He's causing some rifts, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. The idea is that is an animal that is set aside for slaughter. It's been marked. Anathema is the word. As we have already said, and so now I say again, if God wants to really get something through to you, do you think he repeats it? Yeah, and so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you've accepted, let him be eternally condemned. And that is what happens when someone preaches a gospel that is not the gospel and that someone receives a gospel that is not the gospel is eternal condemnation because there is only one gospel. There is only one way to be saved and it is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. No other God, no other religion, no other way. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. That is God's way of rescuing us from this present evil age. There aren't a succession of prophets Islam is wrong. There aren't a succession of, you know, there aren't 12 apostles out there. The Mormon church is wrong. Jesus Christ and him alone saves a person. How are you saved? By faith. You just trust what he did and what he said, and that's it. It's not Jesus and keep the sacraments. The Catholic Church is wrong. It's not Jesus and you must go to small cell groups in order to be saved. The Protestant Church is wrong. Whatever you want to do, Jesus and, it is wrong. 
There's no other way. Faith. Now, I've talked to you several times about this. When we are saved, the grace of God, because of that grace in our hearts, that motivates us to good works. Do you see? It's because of the love of God, because you have been saved, the grace moves you into the things of God. Paul said that, and was it 1st or 2nd Corinthians chapter 15? One of those, read them, you won't go wrong. He says, I was an apostle after, you know, after the other guys, but the grace of God had more effect in me than all of them because I was tirelessly out there. I mean, I had been so guilty of sin, of persecuting the church, and God came in and he forgave me. Oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? Lord, where do you want me to go? I'll die for you. Thank you that I'm not under the eternal condemnation. That should be our heart. Thank you. But we've become so desensitized in our culture, haven't we? The things that should absolutely shock us, they don't. And we, they actually entertain us. The thought of hell is just something that's kind of like, who cares? There's only one way. If anybody is preaching to you another gospel other than you've accepted, and let him be eternally condemned. And he repeats it twice. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The gospel really doesn't please men. If I were trying to please you this morning, would I be saying all these things? How many of you, you know, kind of had a gut reaction of, of I'm kind of offended. He's kind of hitting this heavy. He, you know, there's a lot of blah, 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 blah. I understand. I totally understand. But when I stand before you and before I stand before God, I don't want to have a wishy-washy gospel. I don't have a, ah, oh, it's okay, let's just kind of, no, it's cut and dry. And it is love to say the truth. It is not love to not share the truth. Because the love of God is expressed in him rescuing us. That is what the love of God is, mainly. We have a deep need. He met it. And for me to say, ah, oh, you know, keep going, you're good. As long as you do a bunch of good things at the end of your life, you'll be, that's a lie. And so you, who are, are called to the ministry of reconciliation, need to know, just like me, what is the gospel and what isn't the gospel because we'll be held accountable to it. We, we better not be preaching the wrong gospel, right? And how many of you are nervous about sharing Christ because you'll get it wrong, right? That's why he made it really simple. Jesus died. He rose again on the third day for our sins. If you believe it, your sins are gone and you too will have eternal life. That's it. But it's so simple. You don't have to do a bunch of things. You don't have to take a bunch of classes. You don't have to get married in the temple. No, you just believe what he said. And so I'm not trying to please men. Paul was not ecumenical. He was not one of these guys that was just all inclusive of all the different, you know, genres of Christianity. He was pretty darn hard-nosed and full of love and full of grace. 
and says, I want you to know, brothers, the gospel I preached to you is not something that man made up. And now he's going to talk to him a little about the history of, of how he received it. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Acts 26, verses 12 through, through 18. Flip over there real quickly. We're almost done. Acts 26. Bible drills, huh? Acts 26, verse 12, he says, On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, this is King Agrippa. This is later on in Paul's life. He's on his way to Rome. He's recalling the road to Damascus. Remember that? Verse 13, About noon, O king, As I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions, and we all fell to the ground. I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Jesus spoke Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you and uh, to, I'm sorry, to appoint you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen of me and what I will show you. And I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, and I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from, dar- the, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus and then those in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the Gentiles also, and I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. And James would say, Amen. And so Paul, he, he says, I did not receive it from any man, nor as I taught it, but I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. He goes, For you've heard of my previous ways of life in, in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God, and I tried to destroy it. Verse 14, back in Galatians, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Listen, these guys who are coming to talk to you about the law, they are rookies. I run circles around them. I was a master Jedi in the law. If anybody talked to you about the law, listen to me, Paul's saying, right? And then he says, this is all what happened in the past. But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem and... uh, to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went immediately into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. And so Paul is saying, and I love this about the Lord, he's saying, that was all going. I was going in one direction. I was incredibly, I knew all about the Bible. I knew all the things. I knew how to keep all the commandments. I was awesome. I taught people. I was better than anybody. I was Bible study leader to the 10th power. Awesome, right? And he goes, but when God who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased. Did you, look at that, how God does that. We ha, the reason why you're here is because there was a but God in your life. Amen? And it might be this morning. You were going along doing your thing, and then God. But God, what did he do? He set him apart from birth. 
He had a plan for Paul's life before he was born. He was set apart in the mind of God. What did God do? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he separated, he set apart the light from the darkness. And the dark he called dark and the light he called light, right? Day and night. He separates and then he calls. This is kind of how he works in, in, in our hearts. He separates you and then he calls you to the work that he's already planned for you to do. And he called me, how does he call us? By his grace. Is un, our undeserved, unmerited favor from God. He just loves you. That is how he calls you. That is why he calls you, because he is gracious. And he was pleased to reveal his son in me. God is pleased to reveal Jesus in you. So it's not only to you, but it's in you. He receives Jesus. You, you see Jesus, and, you, and he shows you who he is. But then when you receive him, he's now in you. And you, he, Jesus is being revealed in you. His spirit is now taking over your life. You are d- being directed by the Holy Spirit now. Amen? That's what means born again. You have a new spirit. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of God is now in you. No longer the old person calling the shots, but more and more Jesus every day. Yeah? And why did he do that? He was pleased to reveal his son in me. Why? So that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Paul was, had a, was, has a calling. Why has God intervened in your life, set you apart? Why has he done that? So that, boy, that's an important question. And there are things he's already revealed, but there are specific things he wants to reveal to you too. He's revealed you to be a minister of reconciliation. He's revealed, he's, he's called you to love one another. He sets you apart to bring him glory in the various ways. As different as you are, you look is the different ways he wants you to bring him glory. Individual custom-made glory machines you are. And he goes on, nor did I go up to Jerusalem. I didn't go up to talk to these guys to get the gospel, but I went to Arabia and he hung out there for a long time and he received from the Lord more stuff. Then after three years, verse 18, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him for 15 days. This is just a social meeting, acquainting, right? I was just getting to know him. And I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Verse 20, and I assure you before... Uh, before God, that I'm writing what I'm writing you is no lie. And later I went to Syria and Cilicia. And Cilicia is where Tarsus is. And that's Saul of Tarsus. That's where he's from. So he went back to Cilicia and he's talking about what happened. If you've been following us in Acts, and then what happens is something at that time is happening in Antioch and Barnabas from meeting Paul in Jerusalem or, or knowing from, of Paul in Jerusalem, he goes down, he goes, I know the right guy who's going to come help bless this church, to teach the church. And then he goes over to Tarsus and grabs Paul and says, come on. So it had been a long time, three or four years, just hanging out there in the wilderness, hearing from the Lord. He didn't receive the gospel from Peter and all these other guys. And later I went to Syria and Cilicia, and I was personally unknown to the churches in Judea that are in Christ. And they only heard the report, the man who was formerly persecuting us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God to me. 
excuse me, we'll, we'll pick it up the rest of the story next week as he goes, he goes on and he starts hitting some really heavy stuff. I mean, he's just like, it's awesome. So read ahead. But this morning, how many of you have a Jesus and view? In your mind and in your heart, yeah, you know, okay, I'm saved by grace. I believe Jesus rose again, but he's not going to accept me if I don't follow this set of rules. If I don't keep the Sabbath, if I don't do all these things. Paul's saying, if the law, which is perfect, if God's perfect law cannot save you, what other thing could there be that could save you other than the grace of God? Nothing. The way he saves a sinner is just surrender. Save me. I believe that your son died in my place. That's it. That is how you're saved. If you've been believing something else, if you think it's a Jesus and, it's a different gospel. And I encourage you to come talk to one of the elders, one of the pastors or a brother or sister next to you and pray and say, I've been following something that's not the truth. Now God has called us to good works. The reason why he saved you is to bring glory to God. And how do you bring glory to God? By the life we live. If there's no fruit, what does that tell you about the tree? So that's the big thing I think we have to worry about is Christians, all leaves no fruit, right? Being saved, that grace should do something. What's in the place of that sweet abiding relationship with Jesus in your life this week? Is there anything God's saying, hey, come back. Come on back. Come plug into the vine. Let the Spirit bring that up in your life. Come back to grace and receive the peace of God in your hearts. Amen? It's an ongoing thing for all of us. It never ends. We are to be attached to that vine. And anything that comes in the way needs to be cut off. Amen? Lord, we lift you up this morning. We thank you for this word. I thank you for men and, and women, Lord, like Paul, who are firm on your word and who are loving and kind and patient, but at the same time, they know how to drop it and say, you know what, you're going off path. This is wrong. Lord, in this world that is so evil and so... Uh, just easy for us to go off track. We pray that we'd be firmly planted and rooted in your word today. And if anyone in here this morning doesn't have that, I pray that you would draw them to you. Remove those people from their lives, the people knocking on their doors and giving them junk. The TV shows or the preachers that might be telling them one way or the other. And they would just run, open your word and just read what you have to say. So shepherd our church, Lord. Lead us and guide us so that we would be fruitful 
and not faulty. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.